Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. How many of you guys excited about tonight? Come on. This is a historic night for BFA, April 20th, 2022. And you, each and every one of you are part of it. Man, God is doing something. How many of you can tell our church is growing? Sundays were growing. Sunday night prayers are growing. And now we have a midweek service. Come on. And, you know, we're so excited that we have Pastor Toby with us tonight. Pastor James, I didn't even tell you this. I can't believe I forgot to tell you this. <laughs> you, most of you guys know I wrote the book Kingdom Honor. I think a lot of you have. A lot of you are reading it. It's been a blessing. Um, we gave it for free. Um, 30,000 people have downloaded the book all around. It's ministering to people all over. This book would not have existed without this guy right here. Now, I know you think, oh, you're exaggerating. Let me tell you, I'm not, not even a little bit. I never thought I would write a book about honor. I never thought I would teach on honor. It wasn't until January 2017, <laughs> I know you remember this, Pastor Toby came up to me. He was the men's pastor at our church. Chris, you got to meet a man. <laughs> you would love him. Um, one of the greatest men's pastors in the world. Now he's a lead pastor in San Diego, pastoring a thriving church down there. In 2017, though, he came up to me and said, Gary, this was before I was a pastor. He said, would you teach my leadership team about honor? And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, sh sure. And he was like, yeah, can you do it in a month from now? And I said, uh, yes. And I walked away from that meeting thinking, I have no idea what I'm going to teach. I was sweating bullets that entire month, Pastor Toby. <laughs> All the way up until I spoke to your team. And that day... When I spoke to that team, those notes were the notes that turned into this book right here. That would have never happened without this guy. So we're so honored to have you. Not only is he a friend to me, he is a brother. He's a man of integrity and truly a man of honor. He, he travels and preaches, but he's never had a Bakersfield welcome. Would you guys welcome him to BFA? That's awesome. Come on. Can we give Jesus a hand tonight? Come on, we can give even a bigger hand to the King of Kings. Father, we praise you. We thank you. We thank you for the relaunch of this midweek service at this incredible church. God, that has been just toy. The, the, the ground has been broken up in Bakersfield because of the faithful people at this church. As we get ready to celebrate 100 years, God, that uh, my mind is blown at even the thought of that, Lord. But you are moving in this place. You're not done yet. The better days are ahead. You're about to shake up the ground even more because this is a remnant of people in Bakersfield, California, God, that are on fire for you, ready to serve you, and ready to move forward into a post-pandemic world with the love and the power of Jesus Christ. And if you believe that and want to declare that over your life in this church, somebody say amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, Pastor Gary, I need to hire you to introduce me wherever I go, because that was amazing. Um, and, uh, and I can't think of um, a better man um, to stand beside with the Lord and do ministry with, and we've done it for many years together, and then God promoted him to here. Y'all got a, a, a gem in Pastor Gary and Raquel. Um, they're both just incredible people, and um, he, he, he credits me for, you know, starting this book, but 
I give him all the credit for instilling honor in me that has changed my world, uh, has changed not only ministry, but changed my marriage, changed the way I'm a dad, changed the way I'm just a, a, a person. Like honor activates everything. And um, so Pastor Gary, I just, I love you. I honor you. And, uh, and I want to give honor to where honor is due to Pastor James, who is a mighty man of God, who, yes, you can clap. That'd be a good time to clap. And uh, I'm going to go into detail on that later, but uh, you know that uh, French fries were anointed this afternoon when we had lunch, and uh, God bless Coconut Joe's. You know, I mean, what would we be without Coconut Joe's? And, um, but thank you, Pastor, for the privilege to take your pulpit. I don't take it lightly, um, and I know there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears up here, and uh, hopefully we make you proud tonight. And uh, I know we got people watching on YouTube, live streaming, so welcome. We want you in the room. Come back. We need you. We love you. We're waiting for you, but I hope you're blessed tonight as well. Um, on behalf of my pastor, Pastor Micah Berto, greetings from our church called The House. We have three campuses. The main campuses is Modesto, Northern California. That is a spirit-filled, soul-winning, incredible, uh, just under the leadership of our global pastor, Pastor Glenn and Deborah Berto, uh, who have now officially passed the mantle to their son, who is Pastor Micah, my pastor. And um, the house church is a church with a bunch of people who love Jesus. And so people ask me, what's the house like? Well, we're a bunch of imperfect people who got saved and love God. We're trying to figure it out, and we're trying to be pleasing to the Lord along the way. And um, we just launched a church in San Diego. We just had our one-year anniversary just a couple of months ago. And so the quick story is we were sent out, my wife and I, to launch a church. And we've never planted a church before. We've just been a part of some incredible ones. So we get sent out to launch. We launched the church after about a year of just plowing away. San Diego is 92% unchurched. 92%, ninth, one of the, I think it's the ninth biggest city in America, 92% unchurched. So we're like, let's go plant a church there. We plant it, great launch, three weeks later, COVID. <laughs> All right. If it was a business model, it'd be like the worst business model ever. Here's your grand opening, now shut your doors. Um, but because God wasn't surprised by COVID, and God wasn't taken back by some virus. We actually relaunched the church this past January. And at our Easter uh, uh, worship experience last week, we went from six people in my living room when we started to 250 people last Sunday in an incredible place. And so all the credit, all the glory goes to the Lord because it's nothing that we could have done on our own. But I just wanted to give you a quick history of, of where we're at. And, and before we get going, can I show you my family real quick? My family is important to me. I got a few pictures of, uh, there's my boys. So that we're, we're out in Point Loma, San Diego, out on the water there. That's Micah on the left. Zachary, he's a little more crazier. He's on the right. And then the next picture, I believe, is my baby. And uh, that's Bella Grace. Bella just turned, oh gosh, 10. And um, Bella has uh, severe epilepsy. 
And uh, a lot of people would say she'd been diagnosed with special needs. And I say, yeah, you're right. She's special and we need her. So you diagnosed her correctly. And we're believing that she will be healed in the name of Jesus and uh, live a seizure-free life because God is not done healing people. He's still doing it today. And I believe my daughter's healing is coming in the name of Jesus. And then the Bible says if you find a good wife, you have found what? Favor from God. I have been favored by God. I'm telling you what, my wife Kristen is amazing and I can't uh, do what I do without her love and without her support and she puts up with me. So it's pretty amazing that I found favor from the Lord. I love you, babe. You are awesome. Okay, um, this is the relaunch of a midweek service that I heard pre-COVID was running around 200, you know, crazy, awesome, Jesus-loving people. And so welcome to the first fruits of what is going to become even bigger than when it was previously. So you are the ones that are like, I call you the, the OGs. Like, there's going to be a wall one day with your picture up on it. Like, they were the ones. Remember when this thing started after COVID, the midweek launch? So you were the ones. There's only a few people that can say, I was there when. So you're going to be able to say that I was there when this thing started. Because, Pastor James, I'm telling you, it's not just going to be a Sunday. It's going to be a Wednesday where you see the balcony full. Because something's going to happen in this church if we're obedient to the Lord and we do things that please him, he will come and do some things that we can't. And I just believe that row should be filled, that balcony should be filled, because there's enough people in Bakersfield that need Jesus. And so we need to go out into the harvest field and bring them. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. I'm going to do things a little bit differently than normal. Um, I got a few scriptures that are game changers. Big time game changers. But I'm not, tonight's not a, for me at least, open up the Bible and really dissect the word. Because I've got, I want to take you on a little bit of a journey. A little bit of a journey that's going to lead to one story in this Bible right here that could genuinely change the trajectory of not only this church, but your life. God runs everything through his church, but it's not just meant to stay in this building, right? It's meant to take it out because you are the church. <laughs> You're the best representation of the church. I, I, I saw uh, BFA on social media this week. I got tagged in a few things, right? So the church is meant to be uh, in the community, arms everywhere, reaching all these people, but this building can't do it. You have to, but it's not a have to if you're a follower of Christ, it's a I get to. I get to go be the best billboard for this church. Social media is not gonna bring people in here the way you can. Social media is a tool, but you are a vessel. And God would much rather use one of his kids. I love the way, Pastor, that you said that. You know, all God's kids said amen. I like calling God Abba. I like daddy. I like that term for the father. But you are the best billboard for this church. Your life is the best advertisement for your church, right? Your joy in the workplace when the rest of the world is going crazy is an advertisement for this church, right? The way you handle a tough situation when everybody else is falling apart, but somehow you're not, doesn't mean it's always easy, doesn't mean you always say the right things or have it all together, but you don't fall apart. And someone looks at you and says, I don't know how you do it. And you're like, I do. Let me tell you. 
Let me tell you about my Jesus who works through this church that has changed my life, right? So that's why I tell a lot of Christians, like, do people even know you're a follower of Christ? Like, when you go to work, do they know? Because sometimes I believe we got to remind our faces that we're saved. <laughs> like, <laughs> where's your joy? I know life is hard. I know it can be tough, but I got Jesus. I got some joy. You got to get back to your Sunday school. I, I, know, I know this church does Sunday school, right? Like legitimately Sunday school. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down, like some of y'all know that song. And some of y'all need to be singing that instead of the hip hop on the radio, okay? We need to get back to going joy, 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 joy down in my heart. So people should see joy in your life. Because it's one thing to say it, Pastor. It's a whole different thing to show them what it looks like. We say at our church all the time that passion is contagious. It's contagious. It's way more infectious than COVID-19, I promise you that. Are you passionate about this place? Do you get more passionate about the movie you saw last night or the worship experience here on Easter Sunday because it was awesome to see what was going on here? What are we more passionate about? And I'm not saying you can't be passionate about a movie. I like movies. But man, I like my church better. Because a movie never changed my life. Jesus did. Right? A movie gave me two hours and 19 minutes of vegging time. But Jesus restored my marriage. Jesus came in and, and gave me purpose. The movie can't. Netflix can't. All right. So I want to take you on a journey tonight. And that journey is going to lead to one story that I promise, if you apply it, and it's always an if. God is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. He doesn't work that way. He wants you to choose him. So if you choose God tonight and what he's going to show us tonight, it will impact this church. It's a given. It's not an if. It will. But because God is so big and God is so good, it'll impact you. It'll change your family. It'll change the way you parent. It'll change the way you are, are a, a business owner. It'll change the way you're an employee. It'll change the way you treat people at the grocery store. I'm talking like relevant, practical, real stuff. We're not gonna get hyper-spiritual tonight. We're gonna get real. Because we're gonna get some real Christians in a real world making a real difference, okay? You down to get real? Okay, one person agree with me. I like that, okay? Because I'm not here tonight to preach puppies and unicorns. Because this world is rough right now. It's tough. So we need some Christians that will buck up with the authority that they have in Christ and not be ashamed of the gospel and go into a world showing people what Jesus looks like in the form of love. In the form of love. Why? Because love never fails. And God is love. So when you say love never fails, what you're really saying is God never fails. I say it like this, Jesus is undefeated. Put Jesus in your situation, he wins every time. The problem is we get in the ring and we start wanting to fight ourselves. We're gonna fight my coworker, gonna fight my spouse, gonna fight my crazy uncle. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all the fighting. And God's like, would you let me get in the ring? I just need you to humble yourself before me, resist the devil, and he will flee. And I see the devil like this little, little tail between his legs. Like, that's a little visual I get of the devil. Because he's all bark and no bite. 
The only power the enemy has, and we focus so much on the power that the devil has, the only power he has is the power we give him. You have to give it to him. I'm, I'm, as a man, you know, oh, I'm having a lustful thought. I'm having a lustful thought. Well, according to this right here, all I got to do is take it captive and release it to God. But if I don't take it captive, I just gave the enemy permission to run with it. And that's the same with gossip. That's the same with the way you view yourself. You know, all, all these things, we have authority in Christ. The, the enemy has got nothing unless we give it to him. Okay, so tonight I'm going to pray that we take back some authority as believers in Christ, and we're going to go out in Bakersfield and make a difference. I'm convinced of it. Father, in the name of Jesus, help me. Amen. You thought I was going to get all deep with that prayer. Now, sometimes the best prayer is like, help, Lord. Help. Okay. All right, somebody say, open heaven. Open heaven. This is something now a lot of churches pray for. I've been to so many places that are like, oh, I'm an open heaven over this place in Jesus' name. But have you ever stopped to actually realize what you are asking for? When you say, Lord, open up heaven over BFA. Give it to us, Lord. Open heaven. We are all made in God's image, right? God is a creator. And what did he use to create? Words. Words. Right? I mean, he spoke one word and poof, a sun popped up out of nothing. Right? He spoke in the moon. He spoke in the oceans. Like he spoke, right? Proverbs 18.21. Our words have the power of what? Life or death. We have creative power with our words. That's not hyper-spiritual talk. That's Bible you can speak things out. You say it enough, you're going to bring it into existence. Man, I am ugly. Look at that belly. I, that belly right there. And that belly, guess what? Ain't never going to change. <laughs> right, right. Speak life over yourself. I might not be what I want right now, but I'm in a process and I'm getting there. That belly's going down in Jesus' name, you know, like... And then don't go have coconut joes every day, and you'd be all right. <laughs> but the point is, our words have this power. We're made in God's image. He created with his words. We can create things as well. What came out of your mouth today? What came out of your mouth today, right? What was spoken, life or death? Because you have the power to do either one, and it's a choice. I know that's a different message, probably a different church. I know this is a totally different church here, okay? But Jesus prayed what? Your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is where? In heaven. What does that tell you? Jesus said, this is the way to pray. I want you to pray for an open heaven over your life on earth as it is in heaven. His heart was for us to experience heaven on earth. We don't have to wait until we get there. He's like, I got stuff good for you right now. In heaven, guess what? Divorce doesn't exist. Start declaring heaven over your marriage if you need to. In heaven, there's no lack of money. 
Start declaring heaven over your finances. In heaven, there's no depression. It's pure joy. Start declaring heaven over your mind. In heaven, there's no division. None. Start declaring heaven over your family that's divided. Your words have those power. Let's make it personal. In Bakersfield, as it is in heaven. What would it look like? Open heaven over this city. I did some little, just a quick little Google search, Pastor Gary, like things that Bakersfield was known for. Gangs made the list. <laughs> what? I get it. San Diego's got a plenty of them too. But wouldn't it be cool if you did a quick little Google search? What is Bakersfield known for and what made the list was an open heaven? That's only going to happen when the Christians start rising up and declaring it over their city. You want Bakersfield to change, y'all need to pray for Bakersfield on a consistent basis. I thank God this is a praying church, Pastor. Sunday night prayer? Now, you know you got crazy Christians that they're showing up on a Sunday night to pray. Because that ain't normal. Most Christians show up Sunday morning, they're like, I'm good, check. Check that off the list. That's a healthy sign. You got people showing up to pray. In Bakersfield as it is in heaven. The only way that's going to happen is if a remnant of people, and I tell you right now, in this room, you would qualify as a remnant. In this room right now, a remnant exists. And if this remnant in this room right now dare to lead the way, why not a church? Why not a church, Pastor, that's been in this city for 95 years? 95? Coming up on 100. What? 100 years? The vision of this church has been in existence? If there is a church ripe to lead the way in Bakersfield, it's this one. Why not this one? I ask, I'd say I ask God that all the time. God, why not the house San Diego? There's much bigger churches. There's, there's, they got more money. They've got more people. But why not the house San Diego? Because we've got a remnant of people at this church that are crazy enough to believe everything you say in here is true. And we can speak things out with creative power because we're made in your image. And I declare revival in San Diego in Jesus' name. But the problem is people think revival is like a worship, like a church experience. You're the revival. Revival begins here. If you want to see a city set on fire, you better be on fire first. Because you're the match. And you go into Bakersfield. But if that match doesn't spark, it's just a match. You're the match. 95 years, that's incredible. So what I want to do tonight, I want to give you a key. Jesus said, I've given you the keys, right? And all these kingdom keys work if you turn them. Pastor Gary could, you know, give me a, a Lamborghini. <clears throat> That'd be a great present, Pastor Gary. Um, just if you want to, I know. You're a man of honor. That'd be really honoring. Um, <laughs> but if he gave me a key to that Lamborghini, he's like, hey, I bless you here. I just really felt led by God to give this to you. I feel the Holy Spirit in that. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But he handed me those keys, and I'm just like, wow, that's a great car. And I just put the keys in the ignition, and I never turn it. 
I got all this power. I've got all this beauty. I've got this vessel that can take me places, yet I never turn the key. That's the Holy Spirit. And we have a lot of Christians sitting side by side next to the Holy Spirit going, we look good. This looks good on Instagram. But we haven't gone anywhere. Holy Spirit's like, duh. Turn the key. So I'm going to give you a key tonight. But it's your choice to turn it. Okay? Okay. The last two years, and I, I thought of you, Pastor. We had a brief conversation on the phone a couple of weeks ago. COVID, right? Okay. I'm so sick of talking about COVID, but global pandemic. In the last two years, this is a documented fact, thousands of churches closed their doors. Not a few hundred, thousands. Big ones too. Big, small, there, it was a level playing field. The enemy went after all sorts of churches. Thousands of churches closed their doors because of COVID. But the fact that you didn't, I can't understate and tell you how amazing it is that you're still here. And it's because of your faithfulness. Your faithfulness through adversity. Hey, maybe you lost a few people. God's into weeding things out. God's all right. Because he's going to bring a whole bunch of new people. You lose one, he's bringing ten more. Don't worry about people who walked away. Worry about the ones you need in this building. Right? The ones that don't know Jesus yet. That crazy coworker that you thought would never come to church and they came to Easter last week. That's who we're going to fill this church up with. I was reminded of, um, y'all know the story of King Hezekiah in the Old Testament? If, you, if you're not familiar with King Hezekiah, hold on, hold on, hold on. This one scripture just, where is it? It rocked my world. I don't have it up on the PowerPoint, guys, but I'm just going to read it. S write this down or, or highlight it in your Bible and go back later to really get the full version. But it's 2 Kings chapter 18. And it talks about a king by the name of Hezekiah. And I don't know, I never read about Hezekiah before, but about a year, about a year and a half ago, Holy Spirit leads me to this story. And I'm just going to read like a little bit about him. But King Hezekiah... If you start studying this guy, by the way, it's one thing to read a Bible. It's a whole different thing to study a Bible. Oh, I, I recommend it. It gets really fun. It gets really fun. You can geek out on the Bible. Um, so King Hezekiah was like known for doing all sorts of incredible things that you wouldn't necessarily read about in the Word. You have to go actually study it and find out about them. But there's this one scripture Eight, uh, 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 5. For those taking notes, 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 5. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It says this, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. You know what that means? Even till today, there's been no one like King Hezekiah. Wow, in a, in a king leadership position. Now here's the scripture, verse six. The Holy Spirit jumped off the page at me when, during COVID. This is when I read this, like, like lockdown COVID, that phase of this crazy thing. 
he remained faithful to the Lord in everything. Remained faithful. Not a faithful moment. Not a spiritual moment. He remained faithful during adversity. You start reading the, 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 the story around this scripture. He is about ready to get attacked. The king of, of Syria was coming after him. It wasn't looking good. Circumstances were bad. Yet the Bible describes this man as he was someone who remained faithful. And then it said in everything. Whoa. But watch what God does. Oh, you didn't freak out. Okay. You didn't start gossiping. Oh, that's good. Oh, you didn't start cheating on your taxes. Okay. He remained faithful in everything. So, since God is so amazing, I'm going to go to verse 7. It says, so the Lord was with him and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Think about what I just said. If you were described as successful in everything you did, how cool would that be? Not one thing. You know, we have like, like, I'm really successful in business, but my marriage is failing. I'm really successful in ministry, but my kids don't like me. This is like these things that happen a lot in ministry. But somehow, King Hezekiah found a way to balance it all, remain faithful. Look, he said he remained faithful in everything, so God touched him and he was successful in everything. What if, BFA, what if we remain faithful? through the ups and the downs of a pandemic, through the divisiveness of politics, through the turmoil going on in the world, we remain faithful. And guess what? There's a twofold promise if you remain faithful. One, God is with you. Wow. I want that. I want God with me. And two, success. Any business owners in here? Business owners? Thank you, business. We need, we need men and women of God in the business world. You want your business to flourish this year? Remain faithful to God. That's it. That's it. Success. Remaining faithful. That wasn't even my message tonight. That was free. I don't know. I just, I just felt like I was supposed to talk about that. Uh, thank you, Lord. Okay, 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 okay. Um, somebody say open heaven. Open heaven. Now say it like you want it. Thank you. This looks a little crazy over there. Okay. Okay. I'm about to show you the key I'm talking to you about. Okay. That key that's going to unlock some things if you choose to use it. Right. But to get where we're going, I got to take a few minutes to explain a statement that I'm really passionate about. And it's also the title of this midweek, relaunch midweek service message tonight. And it's simple as this. I love my church. I love my church. When was the last time you just told somebody that? I love my church. Who said today? Today. Come on. What'd they say back to you? Oh, I love my church. What church you go to? In other words, maybe I should check that out. Because if you're bold enough to tell me, I might need to go look. 
passion is contagious. I love my church. Okay. You know who else loves this church? Well, Pastor James for one. I threw that in there, Pastor James, because I know you do. I'm a man of God serving this church for many, many years. Um, okay. Ephesians 5.25. Don't let anybody tell you that they love God but don't love the church. It's impossible. I can't stand the rhetoric that started to be created during COVID that somehow you could have a good relationship with God and not be involved in a church. It's a lie. It's false. It's bad doctrine and it's bad vibes. You get around someone like that, watch out. Just pray for them. Don't argue with them because that's a religious spirit and they want you to engage in an argument. Can't even get into that right now. Okay. Ephesians 5.25. Was it up there, guys? Sorry. Husbands, this means love your wives just like Christ loved what? The church. You know who else loves his church? Jesus. Jesus. And not only did he love it, he gave up his life for her. That's how much Jesus loves the church. So when I say I love my church, I'm echoing the words of Jesus. Because he loved the church so much that he died for it. If Jesus was willing to die for the church, can someone please help me explain why people who claim to follow him have bought into the lie of speaking against what he died for? I, I can't comprehend it. There is this wave of Christians speaking against the church. And I know it breaks God's heart. And now more than ever, we need men and women of God to pray for the church instead of critique it. Instead of complaining about the church, we should be serving God through the church. I don't know what happened during the pandemic that created that whole lie. It, it, it boggles my mind because, I, I mean, I'm talking like good friends of mine. Not like, you know, the random, you know, hyper-religious person you'd expect maybe to make a, a sideways comment about the church. I'm talking about people who I know love God, and all of a sudden they're talking all sorts of junk on the church. Because Christians have bought, like, there's a remnant of Christians that have bought into this notion that they don't need the local church anymore. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Now more than ever we need this. The fact that you're here on a Wednesday night speaks volumes about you. Because you're not just a, hey, Sunday, fun day, that's all I need. We need this all the time. I wish we had a, a, a start of the week service, a midweek service, celebrate Friday night service. Sunday, you know, like, like by the time you get to Sunday, it's just a celebration of a week well done. Right? Like Sunday's just an overflow of what I've already had. So I don't understand that notion I'm here to preach against it, and you're obviously not that, because you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night if you believed that, so I praise God for you. Thank you. But I go as far to say that you can't even call yourself a Christian if you don't do what Jesus died for. Love the church. I know that's strong, right? And I, that's not a judgmental statement. But Jesus said, if you love me, 
you obey my commands. And the word is clear about the importance of the gathering of the believers. So we got, we got, to, get, we got to get behind this. I know it's not easy to hear, but I think as the body of Christ, we need to do a better job, all of us, me included, of, of loving our church. The church is referred to as what? The bride of Christ. You don't think God cares about his bride? I, I, I mean, if, if Pastor Gary, you who would never do this, but I'm going to pick on you. If, if Pastor Gary come visits me in San Diego and he's like, you know, Pastor Toby, I, I really like you, but man, your wife gets on my nerves. <laughs> I like hanging out with you, but I don't need her to be along with you, with us. I'll be like, say what? Get back to Bakersfield, Pastor Gary. Like, but he would never do that. But Christians who are talking about the church, the bride of Christ, God is like, say what? That's my bride who I died for. Sent my son. We got to be careful we talk about the church and how we talk about the church. Now, I get it. I, I understand this part. Like, I can relate and, and, and get, get, you know, eye to eye with people like this because people, for some reason, they want a perfect church. There's no such thing. It's impossible you can't have perfection with a whole bunch of imperfect people. The moment I step into a church, it becomes imperfect. That's just a fact. Perfection is an unreasonable bar for a church. Progression instead of perfection. We need to be progressing as a church, learning from our mistakes, learning how to have better systems, learning how to take people better, learning how to, to, to grow the kids up in Christ better, learning. By the way, can you just give some, some incredible honor to the people that allow you to be here by watching your kids right now? Come on. As a parent, I say hallelujah. Thank God for people who are called to love on kids. Right? Okay. What I'm about to say, most pastors can't because people get offended. But I'm a guest and I'm going to drive home. So <laughs> email Pastor Gary. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe how many Christians can, can quote scripture on one side of their mouth, yet talk about the church on the other side. We have Facebook Pharisees going crazy right now. Twitter theologians running wild. Instagram idiots. I, I don't know where. I, it was the only thing that, that was with an I. That's the only thing. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying churches haven't hurt people because they have. Because some churches are led by unhealthy, toxic people. And hurt people do what? hurt people. Okay? I totally understand that. People are messy. Churches make mistakes. Pastors are not perfect. But the last time I checked, none of us are either. We all need God's grace, God's love, God's forgiveness. So I'm giving all of us permission tonight. It's okay to love our church. You don't have to feel guilty about loving the place that God used to change your life. 
Come on, go ahead. Just say it. It'll make you feel better. I love my church. Come on, you can be like the rowdy group over here and shout it. I love my church. What if you went into Bakersfield tomorrow and you started telling people, you know, the person in front of you at the grocery market, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. What's your name? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I love my church. They'd be like, what? No, really, I love my church. And what are they going to say? Where do you go to church? I love my church. But when you say that, and this is why I feel like God was speaking to me last night about what to talk about tonight. You have to understand what you're actually saying. Because that's not just a cute t-shirt or a bumper sticker. There's some depth behind saying, I love my church. It's important that you understand when you say, I love my church, there's some things you're actually, that are, that are inside your heart when you say it. Okay, God created the church, not man. You know that, right? Church is a God thing, not a man thing. Man messed it up, <laughs> but, but God created the church. And, and God created us with the desire for community and connection. Otherwise, Adam would have hung out solo in the garden. I said, no, no, no. He needs community and he needs connection, Okay. When you say, I love my church, what you're really saying is, I love the people in my church. And if you're sitting next to one you don't like, just ignore that part. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love my church because I love the people in my church. The House San Diego we got an incredible building that God has blessed us with. It's not ours yet, but in Jesus' name, we're going to get our own. But we're in this cool place right now. But that's not why people love our church. They love our church because when they come, they feel loved. And they feel welcomed. And they feel passion. And they feel the love for God. That has nothing to do with the walls. Yeah, pretty awesome stage here. Got some cool lights and, and a cool Ludwig drum set and, and you got some great equipment, but no one's coming to this church because of that drum set. They're coming to this church because of you. They're not even coming to this church necessarily just for Pastor James. This is like the biggest ego blow to pastors because we love preaching. Preaching is like the, like the ice cream of ministry. The rest of it's just messy. But, like, like, but preaching is so fun. But it's a proven statistical fact. Here are the top three reasons why people will come back to a church that they have visited. Number one, any guesses? The worship. The worship. Why? Because the world can appreciate music. They don't even necessarily have to connect with it. But, oh, that's a pretty good band. They'll say stuff like that. Number one is worship. Number two, kids. It's also proven that parents will go to a church they don't even like if their kids have a good time. That's how important your kids' ministry is. And number three, this one's funny, but it's true, Pastor Gary. Parking. <laughs> Parking. That's why you should never devalue the parking team. They're the first impression of this church. And if they're out there after, they'll be the last impression. Number four, preaching. We didn't even make the top three, Pastor. I mean, 
It's tough to hear, but it's just true. Okay? It's the people of the church why people are coming back to the church. Okay? So community and connection. Right? There's a reason why you have BFA moms and youth and kids every Sunday morning. Now you've got a midweek service. Why? It provides community and it provides connection. Better together, right? That's a slogan I see all over this church. Better together. That's not just a slogan. It's Bible. Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three, even better, because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Translation, better together. We need this. We need some, some, some Christian ride or dies. You know what ride or die is? Like we need a ride or die. Those are people who are gonna encourage you, pray for you, cry with you, grow with you, get in the mud in the trenches with you, celebrate with you, hurt with you. People will say, no matter what happens, I'm here to do life with you. I love you when you're pretty and I love you when you're nasty. Ride or die. We need some more Christians with that mentality. So when I say I love my church, what I'm saying is I love the people in it. Somebody say, I love my church. I I told you that watch this section over here. I'm glad you guys came. That's awesome. Okay, second point. If you love your church, it also means you love the vision of your church. You should not be involved in a church that you don't line up with this vision. You can't say, I love my church if you only love parts of your church. Because then it's not really a true statement. Because it's not, I love my church, it's I love most of my church. When you marry someone, you don't get to choose what parts you keep when it comes to your spouse. (laughs) Oh, baby, you fine, but your breath is nasty. Get rid of that. No, 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 (laughs) no. That's not how it works, okay? When you say I do, you say I do to all of you. All of you, whether your man has a beer belly or no belly, it's till death do you part, right? There's no such thing as a perfect spouse. I know. Sorry, guys. There's no such thing. But when it comes to church, why is it for some crazy reason people expect perfection? Nowhere else in life do they expect something to be perfect, but when they walk in a church, it's supposed to be perfect. It's just a mirage. Between 2019 and 2021, more churches closed their doors than any other time in church history. That's how the enemy used the global pandemic. It got ugly, y'all, like messy. Pastors walking away from their calling because they were just beat up. Because in the pandemic, there's no rule book. You made some people happy and some people super mad. And it was all on the pastor or the leaders of the church, right? Christians during the pandemic, I watched it with my own eyes. I watched it on social media. I experienced it in person. Spent more time critiquing their church instead of supporting it. Which is why so many shut down. Which is also why the ones that stayed open was the opposite story. Which is why you are an anomaly. 
this church is healthy. Praise God for healthy churches and healthy Christians. You can't, you can't understate how incredible it is that you're here on a Wednesday night. In this amazing building with all this property and all the stuff you do for widows and seniors with all these manors all over. And you got this thriving school. Like, guys, you got to know what you have is special. Don't take it for granted. There are people all over America that would love to be in a church like this. But their church shut down. And most of them didn't go find another church. They got what I call COVID lazy. And they just, I'll just have church in my living room. And they're, they think YouTube is their new pastor. And I praise God for technology. We needed it when we were shut down. But man, YouTube fam, come back. We need you in the building. It's safe, I promise. <laughs> oh, don't get me going. Okay. For some of you, your marriage was rescued at this church. My marriage was rescued at my church in Modesto. I'm not married today if it's not for what God did at my church. And this August, I'm celebrating 25 years. 25 years. Because God used a church to restore my marriage. Some of you had your faith activated at this church. There are people in this room that their addiction was destroyed at this church. There are some of you that received hope for the first time in a long time at this church. I guarantee you, maybe not in this room, but on a Sunday or whatever, there are people at this church who fought and won against suicidal thoughts because they have a church to go to. See, there are people in Bakersfield right now that are messed up, lost, hurt, and broken, and they need a church. And your doors are open. And your doors are open. Before you ever critique this place, never forget what God did for you in it. Somebody say open heaven. Open heaven. Okay, I like that. Okay, here it is. I'm gonna give it to you. I told you the key. The not-so-secret Secret to unlocking the supernatural, open heaven, unlocking the supernatural over this church. You can't say, I love my church without also saying, I love the ones called to lead it. Thousands of pastors, this is not even a COVID thing. Every year, thousands of pastors walk away. Why? because they don't get supported. And no pastors are over like, oh, poor me, like, you love me, love me. No, what happens is they, they, they start taking on the weight. And eventually, weight that they were never supposed to carry because they need people to hold up their arms, called the church body, right? But, but they don't have that, and so that weight, no one person can carry that weight, and eventually they're just gonna crumble. And they don't even wanna walk away but they can't do it anymore. They're exhausted physically, emotionally, spiritually. They need help. And instead, we hear things like, hey, you better make people wear a mask, Pastor. If you make people wear a mask, Pastor, I'm out. 
You didn't talk enough about politics, Pastor. Pastor, you're talking way too much about politics. (laughs) This is the world that pastors live in, right? It is impossible to love your church and continually question the pastors leading it. Oh, that's good preaching, Pastor Toby. You might want to just say that again. You shout that out. It is impossible to say, I love your church and continually question. Doesn't mean you can't question, but a continual question is not a question, it's a critique, which is based on a spirit of criticism. And that's not questioning, that's toxic. But if you're the continual question, I don't know if you love the church. See, I can say these things. So I'm going to hop in a car tonight and drive away to San Diego. <laughs> Y'all right? Everybody okay? This is okay. Like, it's not like no one's got up and left yet, so I feel okay. I feel good. I feel all right with that. Okay, I know. He came with me. That's why. Um, <laughs> okay, let me say it like this. God himself, Bible says that God appoints all leaders. You know that, right? God himself appoints leadership on a big scale and a little scale. If they're in a leadership position, God appoints that, right? God himself put your pastors in position to lead this church. If you love your church, please love your pastors. And if you love your pastors, follow them. Because if you don't, instead of seeing an open heaven over this church, you could be the one responsible for closing it. That's how serious it is. Now, this isn't just my opinion. Well, he's a pastor. Of course he's going to say that. It's kind of like, stop. No, no, no. I'm going to prove to you in Scripture that what I'm saying, I told you he's going to send you to a story. One story. Game-changing story in this, in this word that has the power to open up heaven over this church and over your life or close it. And you get to do it. It's your choice. One simple story in Scripture. Let me read Mark 6, 4 and 5. Let me set it up. Jesus is going around like on a tour of miracles. Like if Jesus was like, like in a rock band, they're going to all these, these cities and they're having these amazing shows. And now Jesus is finally getting ready to go back to where? His hometown. And typically, if you make it big, right? Like I know there's some people in Bakersfield that have, that have made it big, right? And when they come back to the hometown, that's, that's where the, the, they should be like extra excited to see him. Like, hey, that's our hometown hero. It was the complete opposite for Jesus. So Jesus said to them, a prophet is treated with honor. Somebody say honor. Everywhere except, whew, except his own hometown, among his relatives. Anybody experience dishonor with your family? So did Jesus. And in his own house. Think about the three places where you, ex- you would think honor be easy where people would just care about you, love with you, you know, love on you. But instead, Jesus said, nope, let me tell you where honor is most lacking. Hometown, family, and in your own home. Man, that's rough, Jesus. And then it says, it goes on to tell you what happened because of that. He was unable, Jesus, have you ever seen the words, 
unable next to God. With God, all things are what? Possible. But yet in this story, we see the words, God was unable. Hmm. That should stand out to you. He was unable to do any great miracle in Nazareth except to heal a few sick people. Now, for those sick people, that was pretty awesome. But Jesus was traveling everywhere and seeing major miracles. Major miracles. Other translations, instead of saying except a few, uh, heal a few sick people, say that, that Jesus performed minor miracles. But we're talking about God here. He was major miracle man, right? But instead, he, he was able to heal just a, a few sick people. The hometown hero came home, healed a few sick people. Not a big deal. Think about it. Jesus probably had family in his hometown, right? He had friends there. He grew up there. He was probably saving the good stuff for hometown. Oh, I saved a little extra miracle. I'm about to show them something different. I've saved some for you. This, this is my family here. But he gets to his hometown, and instead of honoring what he was doing, they minimized it. And they even questioned it. Isn't that just the carpenter's son? Who is this guy? Who is this kid? And here's the thing. Because of their lack of honor, it wasn't that Jesus wasn't able to do major miracles. Their lack of honor forced him to only heal a few sick people. And when just a few verses before, and if you go back and read it, you can read it tonight. Just a few verses before in a town that wasn't his hometown, but in a town where he was honored, he raised a little girl from the dead. In a post-pandemic world, you have to believe God's heart is to see this church operating under an open heaven. I believe Pastor God is waiting to perform major miracles because this world is jaded. But you know what speaks to a jaded world? The power of God. It's one thing to talk about a man in a wheelchair getting up and walking. It's a whole different story when you see that man in a wheelchair get up and walk out. God wants to perform major miracles. He didn't just save it for the Old Testament and the Bible days. No, he's still on the throne. And he still wants to heal people. He still wants to open blind eyes. He still wants to remove seizures from my daughter's body. He's ready to do this. He's waiting. He's waiting to perform these things. But the one thing that can block it is dishonor. If you get anything that I said tonight, please hear what I'm about to say. The same principle, dishonor, the same principle that prevented Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great I am, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, my savior, the one who restored my marriage, the one who gave me purpose, the one who took a complete hypocrite and turned him into a pastor of all things. Jesus, the same God that put the son into existence, 
This is the God I'm talking about. The same principle, dishonor, that prevented Jesus from doing what he wanted to do in his hometown still applies for pastors in their home church. The difference between heaven opening up over this church where major miracles take place. Y'all ready to see more salvations? Y'all ready to see more people getting baptized? More healings? More discipleship? More Bible studies? More people leading small groups? More lost, hurt, and broken walking through these doors Wednesday night, Sunday mornings? Those type of people coming in where they get restored and renewed compared to just a few sick people getting healed? I believe, Pastor, you're going to walk into an Ephesians 3.20 season. Y'all don't know what that one is? Look it up. That says immeasurably more. I serve a God who can do immeasurably more than I can dream, think, or imagine. I've got a pretty big imagination. I feel like I can dream pretty big. And God's like, that's cute. I'll start there. Because I'm about to give you immeasurably more. You've been toiling ground, Pastor, for many, many, many years. God sees your faithfulness. He's about to bless you with an Ephesians 3.20 season. You're going to support him and follow him? Then guess what? You've got immeasurably more coming then too. You've got immeasurably more coming for your life. Immeasurably more for your life. Immeasurably more. More than you can dream, think, or imagine. Mighty woman of God, the Holy Spirit's been pinpointing you the whole time I'm on the stage. He says he sees you. He sees those tears that no one else sees. And he also hears your prayers. And what you've been believing for is almost here. Remain faithful. That's how much he loves you. He stopped this whole thing just for that. I'm about to close this, and here's what I'm going to say. If you want to see God do major miracles in this church, which is his heart, he's ready. Instead of just business as usual, it begins with your willingness. It's got to be a choice. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful what? Why do we always tie that to money? Can you cheerfully serve this church? Can you cheerfully honor your pastor? Can you cheerfully love on the kids when you can't be in service, but you got to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just giving money. It's giving of yourself cheerfully. And if you can cheerfully give your honor, your pastor honor, oh my goodness, it's going to change things. I'm going to give you one last scripture, and this is the scripture that changed my life. It changed my life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13 says this. And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders, honor those leaders who work so hard for you. When a pastor is doing his job the right way, it's hard work. It's not easy. They don't complain about it. It's, they signed up for it, right? Ministry can be messy. Why? Because we're messy. We're people. They work hard. It's hard work. They've been given the responsibility. It's not on you to hold them accountable. They're accountable to God. 
You can hold me accountable all day, but one day my knees are going to bow in front of the king of kings. And I'm much more apt to work towards getting a good report from him than I am from you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) The responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. And here's the line. I don't know why God did it, but Pastor Gary, when honor first got instilled in me, and it's why I connect so well with this man of God, because he is a man of honor. You're going to experience that as you get to know him. But this one line changed everything. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. And the Holy Spirit in that moment, because this is the message translation, which I don't read a lot. And some reason the Holy Spirit took me to the message translation of the scripture that day. And I read that word and the Holy Spirit said, when was the last time your honor for your leaders was overwhelming? You know what overwhelming is like? You pour out, because honor is love with legs, right? You got to walk honor out. Honor can come in many forms, words, a gift, uh, uh, a pat on the back, you know, like honor could come in many different forms. It's just loving on somebody in such a way where your pastor or your leader literally says, stop. Like, I get it. You love me. It's overwhelming them. They don't know how to handle it because they're not used to it. They're used to getting all the negative. So when someone comes with a positive, they're like, huh? They like me. They really like me. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm convinced the best is yet to come for this church. The best is yet to come. 95 years, amazing. Let's always honor the past because you're not here without what took place in the past. You're not here with the person, the people with the original vision to buy the property, right, and to build everything around it. We're not here without that. But we have to honor the past, not get stuck in it. God is doing a new thing, and he's ready to move this church forward. And you can accelerate that. You can invite an open heaven if you would honor. 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 And if we honor Pastor James, and I'm going to add Jolene into this, it's directly connected to heaven opening or closing over this church. So before we leave, I want you to stand with me. I'm done. I'm going to get out of the way. Before we leave, I just want to do two things, just two things. Number one, because I know Pastor James' heart is like mine. If you just close your eyes for a second, the reason why I'm doing that is it's just so people can concentrate. That's all. Because this is a moment between you and God. If you came to this midweek service, a special relaunch, a really historical moment for this church has been doing ministry for many many decades and you're here and for whatever reason and I know most people do but if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior I want you just to raise your hand at me and say tonight's my night it's wherever you're at because all the eyes are closed don't be embarrassed just show me yep thank you see never assume that everybody just knows so I want all of us because the church is a family, church family. And I saw your hand. 
And God could have constructed this whole midweek service, put it back on Pastor James' heart because of you who raised your hand, because that's how much God loves you. But he also brought a whole bunch of the other people to remind you that you're not alone. And you just found your new church family. And you're now going to secure eternity with the Father who loves you so much. So all of us, can we just say this together, Jesus? Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross. Three days later, raising again. Proving you are the only living God. I'm done running from you. Tonight I run to you. And according to your word, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are God. And I invite you into my life as my Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 Y'all, heaven's celebrating right now. It says when one comes to know the Lord, angels rejoice. Can we reflect heaven for a moment? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you for being a good shepherd. Now, if you're here in this place and you want to have a renewed, because I know, like, people show up on a Wednesday night. Y'all are, like, extra anointed, you know. <laughs> you don't show up on Wednesday if you don't love Jesus, okay? So, but if you're ready to go into this city that God has called you to, I don't know how, you know, how many decades you've lived here or if you just moved. It don't matter. God called you to Bakersfield. This is your harvest field. If you want, and I'm going to pray. If you want God to give you boldness to go into this city, to preach the gospel, and to tell people about your church, I just want you to raise your hand right now. That's all I want. Okay, and keep your hand up. Now I want you to look around too, because guess what? You're not the only one. See, and I believe the Holy Spirit will give you boldness if you want it. Don't ask for it if you don't want it, because that means you're going to start doing crazy stuff. That means you're going to be in line at whatever restaurant, and a waiter, a waiter, a waiter, a waiter is going to come up to you, and the Holy Spirit's going to go, now's the time, boldness. And what are you going to tell them? I love my church. <laughs> All right, if you want that. Can we just pray boldness over you? Father, in the name of Jesus, you see all the hands raised. Incredible men and women of God who have been touched by you, Lord. So touched by you that they're not going to keep their joy for you. The joy of salvation confined to the walls of a church. They're going to go out into this city, Bakersfield, California, that you called them to, God. And with boldness given to them by the Holy Spirit, they're going to begin to tell their story about the church that you used to change their life. In Jesus' name, we impart boldness. Boldness. Boldness in the name of Jesus. Boldness. Here's what I want to do before we leave. Where's this microphone? Pastor Gary, would you put it down there? Right in the middle, yeah. Before we leave, 
We can take just a few minutes. We're at eight o'clock. I want to take just a few minutes to give you an opportunity to walk out the word of God and activate the thing that will open heaven over this church by giving you an opportunity to overwhelm your leader with appreciation and love. It comes in many forms. Could be a gift card to Coconut Joe's. I don't know, Pastor. If he likes coffee, I like coffee. <laughs> or it can come in the form of a simple thank you. And I've set up a microphone for anyone to come up, turn to your pastor who has fought the last several years dealt with some pretty rough stuff. I don't need to get into the dirty side of the business of, of what it's like to go through the trenches, but keep your call and integrity in place. But you've got a man of God leading you. And the word says that he's responsible to urge you along in your obedience to Christ. And our responsibility is to overwhelm him with appreciation and love. So as I put my mic down, I'm asking you to come pick one up whenever you're ready. I was fallen. And it's this church and that man that brought me back to God. And I thank God for him. Thank you, Pastor James. Pastor, you've been a blessing to my entire family. And I want to honor you for allowing Celebrate Recovery Ministry into our church. And I want to also honor you for allowing me a special place on the safety and security team at this church. I am overwhelmed with joy in my family by all that you bless us with. And I just thank you and honor you. <laughs> Pastor, we've had some one-on-one -on -one time and I'm so grateful. And I just wanted to personally tell you, thank you for all of the words of encouragement and support and the prayers I probably don't even know about. Uh, from 12 years ago, before I was divorced and even lived up here, when you gave me that book, Love and Respect, and you said, I've been praying for you and your wife all the way to today, helping me be called into ministry, appointing me as a leader of a ministry, allowing me to teach my father's Sunday school class. It's all because of you, and I honor you and Jolene pray for you every day. Love you very much. Thank you for everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, me and my husband started coming here um, just over a year ago, and I am just so blessed at this church every single Sunday. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, you continue to confirm what God's speaking to me week after week, and you've helped um, save my marriage. I quit drinking alcohol. We, um, we are just so blessed to be here and have grown so much, and I just love every single Sunday message. It just speaks so so much to my heart. So thank you. Thank you. If you do have kids, you may you know, be uh, released to go get them because I know the kids team is waiting, but I don't want to rush this moment, but I do want to release you if you do have kids. So I've been coming to this church for less than a year. And within that year, my entire family has been baptized. My baby has been dedicated and my family has been brought back to Christ because of you. So thank you. Pastor James, I just want to thank you and your family for strength and for your faithfulness and for just giving us a place to come and be loved. Thank you so much. Pastor James, I want to thank you so much. When I've been so down and with a lot of pain, I didn't want to get dressed and come to church, and I would come to church, you'd make me laugh. You've just given us so much joy and hope, and I don't want to miss another open door here. And I just thank you. I love you, and I love your family. Thank you for everything you're doing here. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor James. I love you. And I've never worked with anybody more honorable before in my life. And I just thank you for the opportunity that you give me to work with you. Pastor James, I appreciate you very much. I, I thank you for sticking it out, for being strong, for being tough. I know that uh, there's a lot more stuff that goes on during the week than on Sunday morning and Wednesday evenings. And uh, it's easy to forget and overlook those things, but there's a lot that you do, and we appreciate you dearly and encourage you. We pray for you daily. Thank you. Well, this is hard. <laughs> hard for us, and I'm sure hard to hear it, but on behalf of my husband and our family, we love you, and we appreciate you, and you have been such a rock, you know, through the whole pandemic. We watch you Sunday after Sunday just give it your all. I'm like, oh, Pastor, you can't hear us amening you, and, and how hard that had to be, but you are loved and appreciated, and we're just so thankful to be here. <clears throat> Pastor, it's about 12 years ago today that you asked me to be your women's ministries director. And I feel like because of that experience that you've given me, I have grown so much in the Lord. But I don't want that to be a reflection to me. I want it to honor God and to honor you. And when I think about you, I think about a man above reproach. And I have been in meetings with you and you are so honorable and you you make sure that there is no question in how you are dealing with situations. I can trust your decision every time. So I praise the Lord. I thank you. I thank you that our children are seeing a strong, um, knowledgeable man of God in the pulpit and the people that you appoint to work with you. I admire you, Lord. So um, Pastor James, I admire what the Lord has done through you and through this church. So thank you, Pastor James. Wow. 
I have a long list, <laughs> but first I thank you for coming back. It was an answer to prayer. Um, I thank you for giving my husband the opportunity to, um, and the encouragement to live out his calling. Um, it's made a huge difference in him and our family. And I thank you for seeking the Lord in every direction that you choose to move the church in, in your sermons and your messages. And I thank you that you do it in a way that entertains my daughter. She's in here, and she prefers to come in here. And I would rather her be in here than not being here at all. So I thank you for that. This man believed in me before I believed in myself. This is going back many, many years. He called the leader out of me in my life. And for him to accept me onto his team two years ago, right before COVID happened, and I've seen the weight of the world press down on him. And it's been my honor to serve you, Pastor, to be a part of your team. And the vision going forward, it is mighty. And I believe our greatest days are yet to come. Amen. So I was getting ready to close and the Holy Spirit said, there's two more. <laughs> so I've learned enough to just to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Pastor James, first of all, I just want to say thank you for never quitting. Thank you for never giving up on this church and this city. And I know I've only known you for two months, but I want to say I love you with all my heart. Raquel and I love you. We're here to serve you. We're with you 100%. We got your back. Whatever you, God has put on your heart, we're going to help you achieve it. You never have to question that with us. We love you. We honor you. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve here. Who wants to tie the bow? There he is, man of God. Hey, if there's one more, come on down. Pastor, you know, we went to lunch a couple weeks ago and I was sharing with you that I've been praying for years um, for God to send a teacher to this church. And I shared some other things with you and you came. And I want to thank you for for your faithfulness, you've been faithful. You are a man after God's own heart. And that's, that's what the Lord seeks, just like Nathan. That's, that's, what the Lord, that's who the Lord is looking for. And I want to thank you for, for sticking it out, for staying, for, for being above reproach, as my sister in Christ said. Thank you. You know, I was there when uh, our last pastor left and uh, we needed to find a new pastor and we came to you we talked about it and you said yes and well thank you for that been through some rough times since being here ups and downs and there always will be ups and downs but uh I just stay faithful, my brother. We love you.
Come on up, sir. Hey, Pastor. Uh, we've only met a couple times, but I'm going to tell you I love you. At the bottom of my heart. Um, one of the most important things that a man can make a decision about is what church his little girl is going to grow up in. And I trust you enough that that's the case. I mean, it's everything. That's what want you to know. And everybody that follows you, Pastor Janelle, super important to me, the most important thing. And I love all you guys. You're definitely anointed with the Holy Spirit. The, the world teaches me things that you teach me again on Sunday, just for confirmation. It's amazing. You are an amazing, man. Thank you. I love you. On our way out, I got one scripture. It's just a challenge scripture. If guys, if you would throw up Romans, because this is what I think is going to happen now at this church, because you just activated a key. You turned a key, one of the kingdom keys of honor. It's one of the most powerful keys that heaven has to offer. And heaven just starts opening because God is attracted to honor. In Romans 12 says, 1210 says, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. And here's my challenge to you. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. If we had a church where we were all competitive with our honor, <laughs> hey, I love you, but I'm going to outdo you. All right? Oh, you think you're honor pastor? I'm honor more. Right? And I say that jokingly, but that's his scripture. Outdo yourselves. But one thing I know about Pastor James, and y'all know it's hard to receive real honor, because it just feels awkward, because we don't do it for it. But honor is not asked for when it's just given, it's amazing. But Pastor James, I know your heart is to honor your flock. And so if you would just close this in prayer and just honor your family here I think it'd be really incredible because I know his pastor hearts over there like give me that microphone <laughs> thank you pastor you shared and it is hard to receive sometimes just because I'm embarrassed but it means so much to Jolene and to me and I just I can't thank you enough it is overwhelming um, how you uh, honored me so much on my birthday was so special and overwhelming. But I want you to know that, you know, you have, you have the call of God on each one of you. And the Lord has plans for us. And I want to honor you. I really do. I want to honor your life and the things you do for the Lord. Uh, I, I want to I, I, there's nothing we could do without you and your ministry and your heart. And, and so I just hope that I will always be an honorable man and that I will always honor you as the pastor of, your, of this church. Let's pray. God, thank you that you're bringing heaven down. Lord, we already sense something's different in our church. Lord, we sense momentum building and we sense your spirit moving, God, and I thank you that as 
we honor one another and most importantly honor you god we want to honor you with our lives with everything about us lord and god we we take this message and we run with it a boldness throughout our community god we believe that this this house will be filled t- over more than twice three times lord fill this house so we god bring us the lost they're broken lord they're they're beaten they're overwhelmed but bring us the lost lord that they may come to know jesus christ and so lord we we claim this day as a turning point for the history of this church god where you brought heaven down, Lord, and we saw many come into the kingdom. So go with us now, Lord, and Lord, make us aware of those around us who are lost and dying. And may we say, I love my church, I love my Lord. And so God, we give you the glory. We seal this in the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you folks. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.